It's the Stinking Truth Podcast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in, Stinking Truth Podcast, alongside my uh, partner, Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlereth. Uh, ben, producing the show, Millennial Ben, always on top of things. Um, want to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Bet Rivers. If you want to bet like a man, Bet Rivers, betrivers.com. Check out their app. It's absolutely awesome. Mike, how are you, buddy? I am doing good. I am I am fascinated by the opportunity you have this week. Because, you know, you you move around the NFL. You've called a bunch of games. You've got a chance to be around a lot of teams, a lot of coaches. But one coach and one team you have yet to be around that you will be around this week, Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Are you kind of – what what – are you are you curious, fascinated, a little nervous about going into uh, New England? Um, I am more. I, I'm not. I, I wouldn't say nervous. I don't know that that's the right term. Um, appre- not apprehensive or nervous because there's sort of been a mystique right. built up over the years about you know how they do things there. I guess I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious. You know, it, so. I have a history. Obviously, I played against Bill Belichick coach teams uh, back in my NFC East days when he was the coordinator with the New York Giants, and I was a you know player for Washington. What'd you call him today? Woofed. Woofed. The Washington Woofed. Um, just woofed. Woofed. Anyhow, uh, and so we've got a history there that goes all the way back to the late '80s, and then um, I actually played for him in a Pro Bowl. He was coaching with the Jets, and Bill Parcells wouldn't travel and go to Hawaii, so he was the kind of Pro Bowl head coach for the Jets staff. So I played, you know, for him there, um, and I've covered the league forever. So I don't, yeah, I haven't, I haven't ever actually, to the best of my knowledge, I've never actually had a one-on-one conversation with the guy. And you know, and it's funny because my producer at Fox, Barry Landis. Barry has had he's done many New England games over the course of his career, um, and he's always like Bill is awesome when you're talking anything but football, like anything other than the game. I, I shouldn't say football. You want to talk about Navy football. You want to talk about the history of football. You want to talk about Lawrence Taylor, the Giants. You you want to talk any of that stuff. He is he is chatty Cathy. You start talking to him about specific questions about game planning and what the game's going on. And you're going to get the, oh, like football, like football. You know, you're going to get that. You're going to get the the Bill Belichick standard, I'm not going to tell you anything answer. And so I'm just interested to see how that flow chart goes, you know? Like, yeah. Like how you start off a meeting. Like do you start off, you know, obviously you start off with introductions and stuff. You can't just jump right into asking him questions. No, you got to play on your history between Washington and the Giants. I think you start there. Like, oh, man, I'll tell you what. I I literally used to pee my pants when I was staring across at Lawrence Taylor. you got to tell him how you called him Mr. Taylor. Yeah. Oh. And that, I mean, you talk about icebreaker. Right. Because he's one of his all-time favorite, right. all-time favorite right. players. Right. You tell him you called him Mr. Taylor, oh, you'll have him eating out of the palm of your hand. I probably should tell him that the, the story of when we put in counter outside. Boom. So we were a big, we were a big counter team, you know, in Washington. We counter, and 
So if you're playing, you know, if you're in a right-handed formation, you run 77 counter, I'm screaming down the line of scrimmage, you know, pulling from my, I was a right guard at that time, right guard all the way down the line of scrimmage, and you're just blowing them up. And you knew, like, well, you knew he's frothing at the bit down there. The line, it, like, you, you peek out of the corner of your eye, you know, you're trying not to tip your hand. Like, I'm trying not to let the defense know what I'm doing, right? And you're like, oh, gosh, here we go. And you knew deep down inside, like, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt him. And you go screaming down the line of scrimmage, just try to blow him up, and he just uncoil on you, right? And you would just like, oh. And, you know, and it, and it didn't feel good, right? It was it wasn't nice, and you hope the back cut up inside, and you get a couple of yards. So, you know, the coaches noticed, you know, how, how Lawrence just absolutely shortens people's necks. So they go, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to screaming down the line of scrimmage like we always do. Right at that point of impact, slip him. Just go pop outside of him, and the tackle who's pulling behind and counter cuts him, puts him on the ground. We pop up, and then you take whoever the force is. So it's the safety rolling down, if it's the corner force. So now all of a sudden, I don't have to hit Lawrence Taylor. I slip him, and I get to go up to the second level and get myself a safety. Sounds pretty good, right? Going to avoid a big collision, right? Next going to stay the same length, right? I'm like, all right, I'm in. This is awesome. So I go screaming down the line of scrimmage. There's Lawrence Taylor flopping at the bit. I slip him. Joe Jacoby cuts him. I roll up to the safety. We get like a 15-yard gain counter outside. And I'm like, yes, easy. This is great. I'm walking back to the huddle, and he is, I mean, he's steaming. And he screams at me, hey, hey. You got a few choice words he's calling me, right? And he's just like, if you ever run that play again, I'll kill you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, what? And I believed him. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I like, I believed him. He might, he might actually murder me. Yeah. On the field right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking over like, don't, don't call. Counter. I'm looking over the sideline like, <laughs> don't, don't call counter outside again. This guy may actually murder me oh. on the football field. All right, you tell that story. Belichick will be howling. Oh yeah, he'll be howling. Oh uh, yeah, that's uh, that, I think that's the icebreaker, that's the right? Icebreaker right there. That's the that's icebreaker story right there. Then do you think he'll answer any of my football questions? No, afterwards? but absolutely that's right. not. No, you know what? I don't. I, I at this point, I don't really even care. I just, I like, I have. Listen, say whatever you want about the curmudgeon that is Bill Belichick. Um, I have so much respect for Bill Belichick, the coach. And Bill Belichick, the success, and his approach to to the game, his unrelenting desire to be great. Like I love greatness, and I I have I just have a lot of respect for what he's been able to accomplish, and I will pay him the proper amount of respect. So, what happens when wise guys like me say, "Yeah, but he's a five 500- hundred." coach or below without Tom Brady. Yeah, no, I I mean I understand that. I mean, everybody's a hey, listen, if if you didn't have a quarterback, most coaches would be a 250 team without a quarterback. So, like I I get that. I get that aspect. I understand how hard it is to win. You know, I understand how hard our football is. And I've just always respected the way his teams played. Um, their preparedness. I've always respected that. You know, maybe you get some general questions out of out of Bill Belichick um, 
from the standpoint of how do you get your guys to perform and how, you know, like how do you get how, the volume that you because when you watch them like you watch their running game you know most teams base out of one thing and and then they have some you know three or four kind of adjunct plays that they're playing off that one thing whatever let's let's just call it in my day it was always you know wide and tight zone Right, we run wide and tight zone, and then we have three or four things we play off of wide or tight zone. But when you watch New England play, even today, you know I'm watching film, I'm studying them against the Jets, I'm studying them um, in their first game, and it, which was against Miami. You watch them play, and the volume of runs, it's like they're doing. I, I wrote them down. I have them in my notebook, but they they're doing. You know, there's power. There's counter, there's trap, there's wham, there's zone, there's like there is a myriad ISO draw uh, lead lead draw ISO like there's a myriad of different things. So they're they're basically their system is we run everything, mm-hmm. and you're gonna have to defend everything. And most teams can't they can't execute. Most teams shoot themselves in the foot when they try to be that. What are they, what's the shampoo commercial word for that? Uh, uh, voluminous? Voluminous. There, yeah. Weren't you supposed to get that word in last week in your broadcast? You didn't yeah, do I, it, I, huh? I forgot. Yeah, I, I, did, I can't ever say it. I can never, it never it's comes out of my you mouth. you got to really write it out like phonetically, like voluminous. You know, the, that, kind of, that would be a loom, V. Uh, the, loom, loom, L-U-M. Loom. Uh, uh, a. A. Ness. Voluminous. Voluminous. Done. All right. I, we won't go on and on about New England. I just I only yeah. have one, I'm one, curious about one other thing, though, because Mac Jones, of the five quarterbacks that went in the first round, was the least heralded. He went last of the five. What do you see with him on tape through two games? Um, From the neck up, he – like, we, we get in a day and age where we love athletes to play quarterback, right? We love athleticism. We love to measure their speed, their athletic ability – their ability to jump high and do things that are phenomenal, right? Um, the speed with which Mac Jones processes is head and shoulders above everybody else. And the other thing, Mike, and I don't know, I don't know where this comes from. I don't know if it's, um, I, I don't know if it's inherent to Mac, but his ability to change speed on his pitches. You know, we always talk about pitchers to change speeds and there's a lot of those guys that maybe don't have the overpowering fastball but they're so good at changing speeds you know you look at a guy like um trevor hoffman that made a living out of throwing an 87 mile an hour fastball with an 84 mile an hour change behind it right 90 mile an hour fastball tops when he was really feeling good and there wasn't that much of a speed discrepancy but it was just enough to get guys off balance and with him, his ability to understand, you know, I need to layer this throw over the underneath coverage in front of the safeties, and it's got to have enough zip on it to get there before they can break, but it's got to be layered enough and feathered enough to just get over the outstretched fingertips of the inside defender, the linebacker. Or, hey, man, I'm throwing this, uh, you know, I'm throwing this slant, man, and it's got to be on time, man, it's got to be out. Or all of a sudden I'm throwing something and I've scrambled out and I've got, you know, a guy that's in a shallow cross. 
and I'm just going to feather one to them. Nice, light, easy, easily, easy, very catchable where I can turn, where I can almost take my eyes off of it, turn and, and protect myself. And then all of a sudden, man, I got a deep dig coming back inside, you know, on a, on a layered type route where I've got, uh, you know, or some type of concept where I've got a, a basic, you know, a 12 yard crossing route with something underneath it. And I got to let this thing eat. And he, like, he changes speeds on his pitches. It's incredible. And how many guys do I see that don't have that? That, you know, I just watched Jameis Winston th- throw a dart to a dude that, like, it just went right through his fingertips, almost got picked off, and he was four feet away. You know I mean? Just like, dude, I mean, have a little have a little poise. Have a little understanding. That's, what, that's what's impressed me about Mac Jones. The other thing is, um, I think it's I think it's really hard for quarterbacks to understand and study the coverage and what they're getting, where to go with the football, and at the same time know where all five eligibles are at all times, where they should be. And based on what you see on the front side, knowing the timing of the play, I don't like it, let me get to the back side. It's not there, it's not covered. Um, the guy isn't where he's supposed to be. Let me get to my check down right now. And And he does that. Like he does, he's got that sense of timing in his head. And again, I don't know if that's just been, he's been coached all that time or just really, it just makes sense to him. Well, that's New England and the Saints. Uh, game of the week, bar none, Tampa Bay and the Rams. Right. And are the Rams ready to win this kind of a game or is this the kind of matchup that if it happened six, eight, ten weeks from now, Maybe it'd be different, but maybe the Rams right now aren't ready to to beat this uh, version of the Bucks. Yeah, it's a great question. It, it is it's a great question. Um, you know, they jump out to a big lead and then you know end up getting kind of reeled back into the end and still win the game against Indianapolis. But uh, you know, it's at home, right? It's in it's in Los Angeles. Um, this is going to be this is going to be interesting because here's the thing that I think is you know benefits the Rams. The Rams and Sean McVay have this uh, it's the the illusion of complexity or it's the illusion of spread and they want to make you feel like they're this big time spread football team where you're just going to you know you chuck it all around the barnyard when really Sean McVay at his at his core comes from kind of there's a lot of Mike Shanahan, we're going to run the snot out of the ball and we're going to cram it down your throat and we're going to set up all the play action. Well, interestingly enough, you're facing a Tampa team that historically over the last couple of years, they don't let you run the ball on them. It's not what they do. And so it'll be very interesting if the Rams can establish that run and be, and I'm not talking about you know, six yards of carry, let's gash them. But I'm saying, can we get our 22 to 25 runs? Can we average three and a half, four yards of carry? Can we open up all that crossing stuff and the flood route concepts on one side? You know, can we get the boot keep game going? Can we do some of those things to create some explosives for, for Matthew Stafford? I think those are the things that intrigue me about this matchup. So you and I have a friendly debate about you, you, insist Aaron Donald is the best football player correct in the NFL and I always like come on Mark it, it's, it's always statement. going to be a quarterback it's always going to be a quarterback because of the importance and the nature of the position and how the league 
builds everything around the quarterback. So would you agree then? Would you give me this? When a guy like Aaron Donald is going up against Tom Brady, this is a game where Aaron Donald has to wreck the game to show that he truly is the best player in football. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a – I think it's a really good statement, Mike. I, I just don't think even if he doesn't wreck the game, like he's wrecking the Can game. Can the Rams win the game? If he doesn't wreck if it. If he doesn't wreck no. it. No. Okay. I don't. Fair. I right. think, I think that you know you can play great. You know, one thing is the Rams historically have been at least the last few years is they'll let you pick them apart. They'll let you throw it underneath at at you know four or five yards a clip. Um, they just realize that at some point during the course of that drive, if it takes you twelve plays, Aaron Donald's going to wreck one of them. You know, and then Patrick Ramsey's going to get a pick or knockdown or whatever. And so they they really they really play into that kind of philosophical approach to to the game. And, you know, the thing that's interesting to me is that you can really take advantage of their just pin your ears back and rush the passer attitude that the Rams play with. But you have to there's certain plays that you have to be able to run to take advantage of that. And you know, when you when you look at Bruce Arians in Tampa, I mean they're gonna they're gonna play a gap scheme. They're gonna play twenty two duo. They're just going to try to get double teams across the board and say our big guys are going to beat your big guys up, and we're going to get four. We're going to fall forward for you know four yards, and every now and again your linebacker is going to get lost. He's going to pop inside. My back's going to go outside, and that four yard game becomes a a twelve yard or twenty yard game. That's kind of how they play. Um, when you're playing a guy like Donald, I want him upfield. I want to invite him upfield. I want to invite him upfield and trap him. I want to invite him upfield on the draw and run something right underneath him, like. I, I don't really like obviously you can put that in, you can install it, but at what cost? Right? When you're installing something new that you're not really running very much, do you and do your players really understand the nuance of that play? Right? Because you can steal it from other teams, and teams do this all the time. They steal plays. It happens every week. But you're stealing a play that maybe you don't have the understanding and the nuance to coach. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't have the players to execute that particular play. And so it works great for one team, and for another team, it doesn't work at all. But we stole it because it works really well. You know, we saw it. You know, we saw it. I saw it in the Rams game um, where they basically ran some type of draw underneath uh, Aaron Donald rushing upfield. And I call it, you know, I call it, like, when you're establishing a line of scrimmage, you're trying to create a picket fence, right? Everybody kind of pushing, getting penetration at the same depth and the same level. The thing about Aaron Donald is he's not like anybody else, right? I mean, that dude is a solid muscle, and he's got a, a rocket shoved up his can. Like, he just goes, he goes. And the thing about that is all of a sudden, in that picket fence, you know what every picket fence has? A gate. When you swing that gate open, guess what? When he's at one level, he's three yards deep in the backfield, and you're still on the line of scrimmage, that's a that's an invitation to go through the gate. And that's that's a you know, that's a 12, 15 yard explosive run. And then, you know, then that like can you take advantage of that? Um and, and we shall see, but I get your point of the quarterback. They're just they're there's they're more weighted, right? They're not better players, but there's just more there's right. more weight to it. Yes. But Aaron Donald is is one of the best I've ever watched play. Well, and He's he's a lot of fun. Here you go. Go after Tom Brady. Wreck the game. 
you just did San Francisco. San mm-hmm. Francisco hosts Green Bay. This one's an intriguing one to me as well because Green Bay got better against the Lions, but did they get right against the Lions to the point where they're ready to go on the road to San Francisco and beat the 49ers? Yeah, that – I mean, here's the key. Like, the the Niners have to continue to run the ball exceptionally well um, to set up their play action. Like, they can get in a shootout with anybody as long as they're running the ball well. Um, defensively, they've got some issues. Here's my big concern. They – like, Josh Norman, they picked him up off the street, worked him out for two weeks. He actually played pretty well against, uh, against uh, Philadelphia. The other opposite corner um, – a guy by the name of Lenore, who's a rookie, um, struggled a bit and and got attacked. And they're weak there because they've had injuries. Jason Verrett's a great story. He's had so many injury issues, played really well last year, coming back, betting on himself, gambling that he's going to get a big-time contract, tears his ACL in week one. They've got linebackers that are hurt right now. They've got a lot of injury issues going on right now. And, oh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers, I know we're quick to write obituaries in this business, right? Week one, Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions. He's dead. You know, the wicked witch is dead. Hey, ho, the witch is dead. The wicked, you know, that's, that's, guess what? He's been resurrected. He's Lazarus. I mean, he came back from the dead. Um, that's That's an intriguing matchup. If San Fran can run the ball efficiently and open up their zone run game, and run the play action stuff to Kittle and to use check and all those guys. I, I think that I think the Niners can win this game. Seems like every week there's a, a new team that we like in the NFC East. So is Dallas now the trendy pick? I think Dallas is the trendy pick, but let me just tell you about the Eagles. The Eagles will dominate both lines of scrimmage. They are so strong and so big across the board. Now, I think they have to I think they have to add to their running game, Mike, cuz they're just a base zone read where you're either getting zone read or you're getting RPO games out of it. They have got to add to their running game. I think they have to do a better job of balancing up and getting some under center runs. Um Miles Sanders is one of the best backs in the football that nobody really knows about. So, I think they've got the potential to be good. They're going to win games just based on they're going to dominate lines of scrimmage. Defensively, their front seven dominated San Francisco's O-line. Now, there's crowd noise and there's some other things that were going on, but early in that game, they absolutely dominated them to the point where San Fran had a, had a change. I know people, I think, get mad when you say San Fran, San Francisco, 49ers. I don't really care, though. Um, but anyhow, San Fran had a change to kind of their whole system with which they were running the ball. So, um yeah, we'll see exactly how that works out. But uh, I think Philadelphia, at the end of the day, they've got to add some volume to their offense, I think. But at the end of the day, I think they've got I think they've got an O-line that can exploit people, and I think they've got enough weapons to where they could be productive. So what you just said, altogether now, the offense needs to become more voluminous. Voluminous. Gosh. Right? Come on. I just can't keep that. I, I, that I, word I, just is not – it's not – it does not a flow off the tongue. Uh, right. So while we write these obits for teams week to week, uh-huh. are we writing the obit for the Steelers this week? Oh, yeah. Big Ben's got a peck injury. 
you know, how, how's Big Ben going to show up to the ballpark, you know, to let everybody know that injury really exists, right? Because he, he is always, like, you see him get a twisted <laughs> ankle. He's got that, you know, that big clown shoe right. on. He's got, like, a size 22. In case you were wondering which ankle is hurt. Yeah. Clump. <laughs> you know, step, clump, step, clump, step, clump, step, clump. Like, what's he going to show up? He's going to shirtless with a uh, breast pump on it. It's like... <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but my peck is really sore. That's why I got this breast pump strapped to it. She's over there sucking away. It's on a battery bag. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen, but we're, he has he has looked old over the first two weeks. All right, you're gonna make our picks. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you bounce back with a two and one week after going zero and three. Right, right. Uh, I went one and two, so okay. I'm uh, three and three through two weeks, and you are. Two and four. four. Okay. So I get to go first. Okay, make your picks. Pick your uh, poison. I am going to take. Uh, I'm going to take New England at home, uh, a three point favorite. I only have to give up three at home uh, for New England. I uh, I know the Saints will probably bounce back, but uh, Jameis Winston is still showing signs. He's Jameis Winston, so I'll take New England minus the three. Uh, I'm going to take Las Vegas minus the three and a half. Uh, even more bolstered by the news that Jacoby Brissett will be getting the start at quarterback uh, over Tua, who's out with the injury. And with a little bit of trepidation, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy into the Cowboys. I'm probably gonna regret this, but I'll take Dallas minus the four. All right. Well, that's why I'm gonna start because I'm gonna go Oppo on you. Mm. I'm gonna take the Eagles getting four points. I think it's gonna be a really close battle, NFC East battle. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys win, but the Cowboys are gonna cowboy. They'll find a way to keep you in the game. Uh, like I said, the Eagles are big, powerful front. I like the Eagles uh, with the four points. So I don't know that they'll win, but I think they're going to cover that game. Um, and then I am going to, gosh, I, I really wanted to get on the Broncos, but 10.5 is just too many points for me. So I'm going to bypass that. But I will take the Cardinals over the Jaguars, 7.5 points. Cardinals, dynamic. You can't get that little... Mighty Mouse guy down the place, uh, quarterback for them, Kyler Murray. So I'm going to go in that direction um, with them. And then ultimately, I think lastly here, um, this is a big spread, but I, I, the Chargers, and speaking of the Cowboys, gonna, Cowboy, I think the Chargers are going to charge her. Uh, Chiefs, six and a half, minus six and a half. I like the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs to kind of bounce back. They've had you know, a loss. They've had two really close games where defensively they've given up 29 and 30, what, six points respectively in back-to-back weeks. I think they tightened down the screws a little bit. Um, I think offensively they're still as productive as they always are. I think they'll uh, hamstring the Chargers a little bit. I like them to cover that spread. So I've got the Chiefs. I've got uh, the opposite of you on the Eagles over the Cowboys, and I got the Cards beating the Jags. All right. I don't care if they beat the Jags. All I know is I just want to beat you. Well, I mean, I can understand that after the uh, butt whipping I put on you last year in the picks against the spread. And I even was so altruistic. I mean, this is how gracious I am. I purposely went 0 for 3 in week 1 oh, oh. to give you a huge lead. You hot snot. And I'm already reeling you in. See, I'm this already is, reeling you in. It's so funny to me, the guy who loves to post videos where he's wearing all of his Super Bowl rings as the ultimate testament to winning when it matters. The fact that I kicked your ass in the uh, playoffs last year in the picks, now all of a sudden you're like, well, look at me, Mr. Regular Season Guy. 
no response, right? No, yeah, you got nothing. You got hey, nothing. for everybody, <laughs> yeah, for okay. everybody that That's listens, what I thought. Yeah, for everybody <laughs> has been a part of the Stick of Truth podcast. We thank you so much. You can visit me on I Told You So Island anytime <laughs> you want. For Mike, I am Mark. For Ben, want to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Bet Rivers. Check them out. Their app, Bet Rivers, BetRivers.com. Also, stinking good green chili. Guys, you want a great tailgate supplement, uh, a great tailgate uh, complement to your uh, burgers and your hot dogs and your brats. Uh, get some stinking good treat green chili and pour it over everything. By the way, you can check that out at stinkinggood.com. For everybody involved, thanks. We'll talk to you next week.